welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. This is the first in a a little sort of fun summer series that we're doing entitled Sunglasses, sun spelt S-O-N. Josh Heather came up with the title. We all groaned and said, that is so cheesy. Then we paused and went, it'll do. So uh, this is uh, Sunglasses, uh, how we see life in the light of Christ. We know that when the sun shines, everything seems different. We uh, dress differently when the sun shines. We eat differently, ice cream and barbecues and, and, and salads and stuff. We feel happier uh, when the sun is shining. We tend to be more sociable when the sun uh, is out. And it is the same in the light of Christ. Everything in our lives looks and feels different. C.S. Lewis uh, once said, when you walk into a dark room and switch on the light, it's not so you can stare at the light bulb, but so you can see around the room. And so it is when the light of Christ comes into our lives. Uh, There are times when it's appropriate just to look at him and worship as we've been doing, lost in wonder, love and praise. But there comes the moment where in the light of Christ, we explore the world and we look at our jobs, we look at uh, our interests, we watch the TV, we we do life uh, in the light of Christ. And so I want to do a, a fairly simple, short talk today about uh, how we take holidays in the light of Christ, this being the first Sunday in August. You know that the word holiday originally uh, comes from the words holy and day. These were religious festivals, days that were set apart for God. God is at the heart of holidays. I'm aware that uh, some people here, you're not taking a holiday in August. Some of you are braving a stay Uh, Some of you uh, might be saying, well, we are taking a holiday, but boy, is it stressful and I'm counting the days till the kids go back to school. But August does tend to be, in our culture, a time where everyone goes a little bit slower. Some people say to me, I don't take my holidays in August. It's so easy at the office. Everything's a bit more chilled. Everyone else on holiday, less emails. And I take my holidays when everyone else uh, is back at work. God bless you. Uh, Those who are listening in the Southern Hemisphere, this is indeed our summer. And we've been... It feels like months without rain. We've hardly had any rain, so uh, come to England and uh, tourism is great here. Uh, Let's look at Mark chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 30 to 32. I had a PowerPoint prepared for you, but my memory stick apparently is corrupted. The fall gets everywhere, so we're just going to have to follow on our phones. Mark 6, 30 to 32. Here we go. This is the bit just before, or just after Jesus fed the 5,000. Oh no, just before. Verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him 
all they had done and taught. And then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. So Jesus uh, messed up his work-life ratios sometimes. They weren't even eating properly. He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Jesus invites us with all the love in his heart to get some rest, to step into Sabbath. He is not, as some people portray him, a scowling, serious, slave-driving God. He is a God of rest, and he invites us when things get stressful and busy to step into rest. You probably remember that verse, be still and know that I am God. And interestingly, the Latin for be still there is uh, vacate, spelled V-A-C-A-T-E, V-A-C-A-T-E, vacate we would pronounce it. It is the root of our word, vacation. The root of our concept of holiday is being still. And there is something about God's presence and stillness that restores our soul. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 15, wonderful bit of the Bible, says this, I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better than for a person under the sun for a person under the sun, than to eat and drink and be glad. Uh, then joy will accompany them in their toil. Raise your hand if you think that sounds like uh, the kind of advice that you want from the Bible today. That's where we get the phrase, eat, drink and be uh, merry. Although elsewhere it is used in a different context. Uh, eat, drink, be glad, then joy will accompany you in your toil. Toil is inevitable. Work and stress and problems come in life, but joy is not inevitable. Pursue it. Discipline uh, yourself to seek sources of legitimate and healthy joy. The context of Jesus inviting his disciples into rest is uh, striking because if you read the whole chapter, it is a breathtaking succession of events. The disciples are first of all peopled out. There are vast crowds around. That's what happens when you heal the sick. That's what happens when you feed the 5,000. Everyone wants a piece of you. The disciples are not just peopled out, they are stressed out. Uh, as we just read, they've been so busy they haven't had a chance to eat. And they are also strung out because they have gone through highs and lows of emotion. You'll see it all there in Mark chapter 6. On one hand, they've gone out and, and on their first proper missions trip, and they've seen the most amazing things happen. They've come back to Jesus, buzzed up with excitement about all that they've seen God doing. They are excited, but they're also terrified because they've just had the news that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has died. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, he's not just not died. He has been killed by King Herod. So part of them is thinking, this is coming close to home. Is it going to be us next? So they're scared. They're excited and encouraged. 
they are exhausted, they are hungry. Have you noticed that's how life works? It's not like on TV where people go through one season and then the next. It all comes at once and sometimes people say to you, how are you? You don't know what to say because you're, you're wonderful and you're terrible and you're exhausted and you're at peace and everything all at the same time. And so the disciples are in this world and into it all Jesus speaks really quite forcefully and assertively and says, Come away with me and get some rest. Maybe he's saying that to some people here today in the busyness and the stress and the problems uh, of life. Get some rest. And I just want us to draw three simple things out of this beautiful 13-word invitation of Jesus Christ. First of all, the first three words, Jesus says to you as he said to them, all those years ago, come with me. Come with me. A holiday is with Jesus. It is not a holiday from Jesus. In fact, I would suggest to you that a holiday, a vacation, will not be truly restful if it is merely an orgy of selfishness. Feeding the flesh. Tend your soul in August, as well as resting your mind and feeding your body. I don't think I'm alone in the experience that if I go away on a holiday at first, I'm often quite exhausted and I just want to knock back and, 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 and you know, read trashy novels and you know, eat terrible food and all that stuff. But there comes a point after a few days that I start to think, I'd like to eat a bit more healthily. And there comes a point after you know, a Jeffrey Archer novel, I think I might want to read something with a little more substance, something that might somehow shape and inform and revitalize my life. And, and I, I, I start to um, love to you know, uh, uh, read Christian books and, and to, and to um, start to really care for my own soul a little bit more. We talk about recreation, don't we? And, and of course, that is literally recreation. God created you. He made you. We see little Thea, and she has been perfectly made by God. And a holiday is a time to be recreated, not just to uh, uh, indulge your body, but to truly become fully alive again. One of the things Sammy and I always do when we go on holiday now, it's become a delightful discipline, is we take a book that will help us as a couple, a Christian book, uh, a normally Christian book. And uh, we have teenagers, they tend not to get up particularly early on holiday. And so that's an opportunity for us. And we, we go out for coffee and we'll read a chapter of this book together and then we will discuss it. And uh, it's one of the ways we invest every year into our marriage. What uh, uh, One we've done for the last two years, it's so good, we've been working on it for two years, is called How We Love. It's the most brilliant book to help you if you're uh, married in your relationship and understand one another better. It's provoked in us conversations. You know, after almost 25 years of marriage, you think you've pretty much talked about everything. Uh, 
And uh, this book has really helped us to start to talk about things, even our own backgrounds and childhoods we didn't realize we hadn't talked about. But find uh, things that will help you to grow because a holiday is with Jesus, not away from him. A holiday is a time to give well and not just to get A time to love well and not just to be pampered. A time to listen well and not just to sound off. It is about giving. I uh, stand before you deeply convicted in this because uh, I often fail in all of these areas. Uh, Some of you will know that a few years ago I met a guy in a pub in Essex who turned out to be a a hobby pilot. He had his own uh, little uh, plane, aeroplane. And uh, I was deeply fascinated by the the fact he flew around in this little twin prop aeroplane whenever he had time. And um, eventually, um, I said to him, at the time we were living in Chichester, I said, we've got an airfield near us, the Goodwood Airfield. Um, Look, it's my wife's birthday coming up. Do you fancy popping down? I'd had all the right terminology. Popping down your aeroplane to Goodwood one day, and then... I'd like to surprise my wife and we could you know, take her out for a birthday flight and I'll pay your petrol or whatever you call it. And uh, he said to me, um, well, a couple of problems. Uh, the first is not petrol. And the second is I'm not allowed to charge you anyway because I, I don't have a commercial pilot's license. I said, look, technicalities aside, how about it? And he said, okay. So um, the great morning came and I knew he was going to be arriving at Goodwood Airfield at a particular time. And I was about to surprise Sammy for her birthday when I remembered that um, she hates flying. Uh, she's, you know, yeah. she does it. She's not one of those people who won't get on an aeroplane, but she's just a nervous flyer. And this is on big, fat, proper aeroplanes with like properly professional pilots and, and, and you know, safety videos and stuff. And the thought of bopping around in a tiny little twin prop over Portsmouth, I think, would have been the worst thing ever. And so I quietly took my friend Pete Ward instead, and we had a terrific time celebrating Sammy's birthday. Uh, We literally flew between the needles on the Isle of Wight. It was the most brilliant day. And we came back, and um, Sammy was enormously grateful. So we're not always good at giving, are we? Uh, We often have very selfish motives, and I think particularly holidays can be very selfish times, but I want to suggest to you that uh, to have a holiday with Jesus is the way to truly recreate yourself, to truly be restored and renewed in soul, as well as in body and mind. A holiday is with Jesus. But let's look at the next bit of the verse. He says, come with me, two words, by yourselves. By yourselves. There's something about separating yourself from the crowd that helps your holiday. Uh, Something about getting alone with yourself and Jesus. Or maybe, you know, the 12 of them were mates. Getting with your close friends. Can I encourage you in August to seek a little solitude? It is such a radical idea in our hectic, busy, crowded social media world. And yes, it does include IT and social platforms. Solitude, unplugging from everyone else for a time will help restore your soul. He invites us, come with me by yourselves. Your soul is shy 
like a wild animal and you must be still and patient to coax it out. You know, with our dogs, we can just yell, crumble! And she will emerge from the bushes, like with a bit of stick hanging out of her mouth and whatever. But your soul is not a, a, a pet dog. Your soul is a wild animal. And if you yell at it and scream and bark orders, it will hide. But when you are silent and still and alone, it will be coaxed out. If you want to spend time restoring your soul, you may need a little solitude. It is essential in the Christian life. Reboot. If um, your daily devotional life has got a little bit ragged or non-existent over recent weeks or months with the busyness of life, August is a brilliant month to reboot your daily devotional life. One of the things I love to do on holiday, I already feel the excitement, is, is again because the Teenagers sleep in a bit. I love getting up a bit earlier than them and everything is quiet and still. And I have a special devotional routine that I do on holidays. And I, I so look forward to sitting there in the sunshine with a nice strong coffee and my Bible and just going through. I could tell you now over recent years some of the key things God has said to me or shown me during those quiet times. I remember one particular uh, time two years ago and I was talking to the Lord about something I was worried about money in a particular area and as I told him that my phone buzzed and I probably shouldn't have done but I looked at it and it was a prophetic word from someone in America saying I see um, God standing with you and people are handing you bags of gold does it mean anything to you and the timing was incredible it's so exciting when you know you're going to get time alone with the living God and he could say anything and alone with the Bible and you open your heart to receive and to talk to him at leisure. Seek time with him. One of the books I would recommend um, that you might want to read in August, you could buy it on Amazon and have it by the coffee break or however they deliver it. A drone will come through the door or something, <laughs> screaming your name. Uh, not sinister at all in any way. And um, is, is next term uh, we're going to do uh, uh, this series we're really excited about based on a, a book by John Ortberg and it's called The Life You Always Wanted. It's been out for a while. Uh, one or two of you may have read it. I love this book because it talks about the spiritual disciplines like prayer and fasting and fellowship and all that stuff but in a way that's not heavy and religious but is just delightful and doable for normal busy people like us. And it's a super easy read. It's a brilliant book. So if you're just thinking, yeah, I probably ought to read a Christian book uh, over the summer and just try and, you know, restore my soul, refresh my soul a bit. The Life You Always Wanted by John Ortberg. And then you'll be like the kid who turns up at school and you've done all your homework. You turn up for the start of our new series and you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm thrilled about this series. It's such a classic book. Uh, so uh, The Life You Always Wanted. That, I think that's the first time we've told anyone that that's what we're going to be doing next term. Um, as well as practicing solitude with Jesus, come away with me by yourself, uh, please uh, try and practice a little slowness in August. Um, 
I, Sammy laughs at me. She says, like, I'm like an old man. But I, I don't know about you. I find my life is so full of having to make big decisions and often quite fast decisions and constant people. And when you're not in meetings, your phone's going, your phone's not going, the emails are accruing. And life is just busy and hectic. And we're, we're kind of buzzing off dopamine hits half the time. And when, when I come to actually stopping, I say, the greatest treat for me would be just to do everything today slowly and make no decisions. Like if we go out for a meal, I'm like, don't even want to look at the menu, choose something for me, you know. I just, it's so nice. What, you go to Starbucks, what kind of coffee? Just coffee. No, no, what kind? I don't care, give me coffee, you know. <laughs> don't you, you know, and then, and then it's like all the different types, what kind of milk, oh, you know, by this stage you're weeping with like frustration. And what size? Now you go, no! World, stop! You know, I don't want to make decisions. I want to do everything slowly. I'm building up for the day when, you know, some of those lovely elderly people, you say, what have you done today? I was very busy. I went to the shops. You know, that's, that's, that's the dream for me, just to do one thing in a day really slowly. Uh, but, but there is something in this. Practice solitude. Practice slowness. Tyler de Chardin, Pierre Tyler de Chardin, who was the most wonderful um, uh, Jesuit priest, uh, archaeologist, and uh, polymath, really, uh, said the most beautiful thing about solitude. I love this. He says, above all trust, sorry about slowness, above all trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally, he says, impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet, it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. <laughs> Finally, I've talked about Jesus' invitation to come with him and that holiday is with Jesus, not away from him. I've said that it is uh, come with me by yourselves, seek solitude, seek slowness, seek silence. But finally, Jesus says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. These are his three criteria for rest, to a quiet place. Place matters to Jesus Christ, especially when it comes to resting. Change of pace, as the saying goes, change of place, change of perspective. There's something about being in another location and changing our pace, slowing down, that changes our perspective. And to illustrate this and really all three points, I just want to read you one of my all-time favorite little extracts from one of my all-time favorite books. This won the Pulitzer Prize. It's very old. It's in the 1970s. Uh, it's by an author called Annie Dillard, and it's a book called uh, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. It's a couple of paragraphs long, but it's just so lovely. I don't want to paraphrase it. I just want to read it to you as she writes, because she writes beautifully. When I was six or seven years old, she says, growing up in Pittsburgh, I used to take a precious penny of my own and I'd hide it for someone else to find. It was a curious compulsion. Sadly, I've never been seized by it since. For some reason, I always hid the penny along the same stretch of sidewalk up the street. 
And I would cradle it at the roots of a sycamore, say, or in a hole left by a chipped off piece of sidewalk. And then I would take a piece of chalk, and starting at either end of the block, I would draw huge arrows leading up to the penny from both directions. It's not very good hiding, is it? After I learned to write, I labelled the arrows with words like surprise ahead or money this way. I was greatly excited during all this arrow drawing at the thought of the first lucky uh, passerby who would receive in this way, regardless of merit, a free gift from the universe. But I never lurked about. I would go straight home and not give the matter another thought until some months later I would be gripped again by the impulse to hide another penny. And then she says this. The world is fairly studded and strewn with pennies, cast broadside from a generous hand, but, and this is the point, who gets excited by a mere penny? It is dire poverty indeed when a man or a woman is so malnourished and fatigued that he or she won't stoop to pick up a penny. But if you cultivate a healthy poverty and simplicity of soul, so that finding a penny will literally make your day, then since the world is in fact planted in pennies, you have with your poverty bought a lifetime of days. It is that simple. What you see is what you get. Isn't that beautiful? Children pick up pennies. Adults don't think it's worth their while. The key to happiness this summer and in life is to celebrate the small and the simple. To take each moment that you are given in August, not as a right, but as a gift. Not to compare yourself all the time to the bounty of others. The person who's got the better holiday. The person who's got the perfect family. The person who hasn't got a family, they're young, free and single. The perf person who's got the perfect beach body. Uh, whatever the thing is. Not to continually be comparing yourself in that way, but instead to be taking what you do have and to be celebrating the pennies. How do we do that? Well, Christ invites each one of us, come with me and rest. Maybe you deeply need his resources as you walk into this holiday time. Maybe you find that you are craving Sabbath. You're exhausted in heart and mind and soul. And this is a timely invitation. Maybe you, if you're honest, can be tempted to take your holiday without Jesus instead of with him. Remember these words that we've received. James's word about being in a seemingly impossible and intractable situation and God coming through. Holly's word about being dry like the grass, all yellow and crackly and longing for the rain. Tim's word about provision and Sally's word to us about how in all of this we are putting down roots. We are going deeper. We are getting stronger. And God is preparing us for greater fruitfulness. Amen.
let's get the band back, shall we? And uh, we'd just love to... Uh, I, think, I think here's what we'll do. We're going to finish with a song. And then uh, those who want to you know, head off and enjoy the day a little bit early, go for it. But we will have a, a little bit of time still for those who'd like to receive some prayer. I know that some of you will be thinking, God's really spoken to you today. These different prophetic words that have been shared. Some of you will be thinking, it was all I could do just to come to church today. And you really would love just to receive some prayer. And so what we'll do after this song is uh, we'll sort of quietly dismiss those who want to shoot off. And those who'd like to stay for another five minutes, receive a little prayer. Just make your way down the front and we'll make sure that we pray for you. And the band will keep playing uh, as we pray, but quietly. So let's stand together, shall we? And let's sing.